You are listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast. For more audio content, please refer to our website. This is baptistchurch.com. Let me pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. And Lord, as we break it down word by word, verse by verse, calm our spirits in a troubled time and we give you all the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can uh, be seated for the handful that are here, all five of us. But anyway, um, you know, when I read this, years ago, Sheila and I, we were on the mission field. We were going back. We were actually going to the mission field in England and Sheila and I and the four kids were all together. And the, the IMB, the International Mission Board, um, had sent us, kind of routed us. We were supposed to be going to London. They had routed us through Amsterdam. We were not flying British Air. We were flying KLM. And on top of that, when I went down, and we had a long wait, so we had four small children in the Atlanta airport. We were waiting. They were running around. It was just kind of chaotic and And to be honest with you, I was getting a little bit frustrated, a little bit irritated. I was upset with the IMB. I thought to myself, you know, they know we have four small children, and why couldn't they have flown us British Air, flown us in an earlier flight, and flown us directly to our destination from Atlanta to to London? In fact, I went down and I looked at those people that were going to board that plane to go straight to London, and I envied them. I even looked out the window and saw the British airplane. And man, it looked like it had just come off the assembly line. That thing was washed, shiny, the sun glistening off of it. And I thought, man, why couldn't we be on that plane? And then I went down there and I looked at that KLM plane and it looked like it had been flying. It looked like it it looked like it had been flying since World War II. It was unbelievable. It was old cruddy looking rusty it hadn't been washed looked dirty uh, paint was peeling off of it I didn't even think it looked airworthy and and then I looked and and, it, and I looked at the people waiting to get on that plane and I was just kind of thought some of them looked kind of suspect and kids were running everywhere and I was frustrated and we had to wait hours after I watched that British air flight take off and go straight to London we were flying to Amsterdam and I wasn't a happy camper we finally got on the plane. We got the kids kind of settled in and, and got our stuff stowed away. And, and uh, about that time, I said something. I was talking to Sheila, telling her about my concerns. Look how old this plane is. Uh, I don't think it's... I'm, I'm kind of a little bit worried. And then I heard a voice. It was one of those voices, when you hear it, you recognize it immediately. And I looked at Sheila. I said, did you hear? And she, what? I said, listen. Now, you know, on a big plane like that, one of those big planes, different compartments and everything, there were all kinds of people talking. I said, but listen, listen to that voice. Where have we heard that voice before? And so she was trying to listen. And all of a sudden I said, look, it's Adrian Rogers. Now to a young missionary, Southern Baptist and a, and a preacher, He's called the Prince of Preachers, Adrian Rogers, the pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church. So we were just enamored. He was stowing his gear away, and as he walked by, I didn't want to, you know, stick my foot in my mouth. I kind of nodded and spoke to him, and 
he went back there and sat down. Well, he went back two rows behind us and was seated there. And um, first of all, all my worries went away. You know, I thought to myself, I said, you know what? If this plane goes down, we're all right. Adrian Rogers is on this plane. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen to this plane because the pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church is on this plane. Uh, you know, everything. I, 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 it immediately calmed me because he was on the plane. He went back. He didn't sit on the row behind us. He sat on the next row, which was the row in front of my two sons, Ledge and Jeffrey. One who led worship a moment ago was one of them. And so eventually I walked back there because fear came over me. I walked back there and threatened them within an inch of their life. I said, this is Dr. Adrian Rogers and his wife Joyce in front of you. Do not kick their seat. Do not get too loud. Do not make strange noises, noises that boys make. I said, be on your best behavior and I'll give you anything when we get off this plane, please. And then I spoke to Adrian Rogers, told him who I was knelt there by him there in the aisle and he said later on come back here and we'll <clears throat> we'll talk well about 10 10 o'clock that night I went back there he and I went back stewardess fixed us a pot of coffee and for three and a half hours I fellowshiped with Adrian Rogers a life-changing moment I I cherish to this day though he's with the Lord you know let me say this immediately when he I understood was on that plane. There was a calmness that came over me. And you may think, well, that's strange. But you know, that's exactly what we're looking at here in this passage of Scripture. Because let me tell you this, and I preached a funeral yesterday, and family, some could not be there because of the travel and because of the restrictions. So it was just me and about a half dozen people. And I talked to them about having the map having Jesus in your heart and knowing that you're saved and having the indwelling Holy Spirit. You see, when you're a Christian, you recognize that God's sovereign. God's in control. God's not alarmed or upset by a pandemic. God knows exactly what is going on in your life, in this nation, and around the world. You see, that's important. Well, anyway, when you look at this passage of Scripture, it said that evening was coming, so Jesus said to His disciples, He said, let us. Now, yeah, I, I, write, I write on my, my wall in there, my office wall. If I have something that I'm kind of, it's on my mind or something I want to remember, I just take a marker and write it on my office wall. Moms don't bring their kids into my office because they say that I'm teaching them a bad habit of taking their crayons and writing on their walls. If the preacher can do it, so can I. But I would suggest that you write this somewhere where you don't forget it. Let us. You know, that's important. As long as you and I know that... You know what Adrian Rogers said one time? He said, the safest place to be is in the will of God. And these disciples forgot something. You see, later on they'll become afraid, but they forgot that Jesus was in the boat. And Jesus said, let us. And that's a good picture of being in the center and the will of God. So Jesus said, let us go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. Isn't that strange? You know, right now, you and I, we kind of have to leave the crowd, don't we? Uh, we're not in big groups of people. Uh, we can't gather in a church like this and other churches. We can't go to work and, and be around other employees. And we can't uh, go to places where there's a great crowd of people. Uh, right now, God has kind of situated you and I 
where we've had to lead the crowd. And sometimes the only way that God can do something in your life and in my life is to move us away from the crowd and get us alone with Him. This is a great time to walk with Christ. This is a great time to rebuild your marriage. This is a great time for you as parents to pour into your children. This is a great time for you to get your life organized, maybe your home, and and, and do some things that you've been putting off for a long time. Having to leave the crowd, you're having to get alone with Jesus. And it's different. And so here they are, they're making their way and they've left the crowd and it said they took Jesus along just as he was in the boat and there were other boats with them. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of this. People are watching you and I. You know, right now, You and I have an opportunity to share Christ like we've never had an opportunity before. The world is frightened, filled with anxiety. People are worried. They're struggling. You can see it in their faces. Do you know what it looks like when you were not walking by faith, but I mean not by fear, but by faith, and you're trusting in a sovereign God, and there's a peace that passes, listen to this, all understanding people look at you and they kind of... They kind of smile and say, well, you don't seem to be too worried. No, I'm not. Because I checked in with my dad this morning and my heavenly father said, everything is fine. As I've got a dear friend, Melba Burns. Melba Burns said uh, in, uh, in a time when she was, uh, her husband, Jerry, had been very, very sick. Melba was in ICU waiting room one day. I was there with her. We had been praying, and uh, it had been days, weeks of watching her husband there hang on to life. He finally went to be with the Lord. But I don't know if even Melba remembers this, but an African-American woman came up behind her, put her hand on her shoulder, smiled real big with all of her own struggles. She too was in the ICU. She too had family in ICU. She too was waiting just like Melba. But she smiled, looked at Melba, and with that beautiful African-American smile, that look, her face lit up. She said, oh, honey, she said, God ain't never out of control. You see, people are looking to you. They want to see what what makes you uh, work the way you do. Why do you have peace? Why are you not worried? You seem to be real calm. What is it about you? So other boats were with them, and they were all making their way across the sea. And, And Mark tells us that a furious squall, a storm came up, and and in a and from what I've understood around the Sea of Galilee, it's almost like the mountains are like funnels that that wind kind of channels down through there. And when it comes across that sea, it can pop a storm up like that. These Some of these men were fishermen. They knew that sea well. They understood the dynamics of a storm. And they knew fishermen who had lost their lives. And so when the storm comes up, it, it came up quickly and the waves begin to break over into the boat. And, and, and Mark tells us so that it was nearly swamped. It, it, it was about to sink. I mean, the boat is filling up with water. I mean, you know, it's just a frightening moment. 
And then a strange thing. Verse 38 says that Jesus was in the stern. You know, I don't want to move around too much, but uh, when I was a little boy, uh, back when you had no seat belts, no airbags, and you drove 80 miles an hour with the windows down and an old radio playing, sometimes an AM channel, a lot of times on a trip I would turn around and put my knees down on the floorboard in the back seat and I would lay my head on my hands and I would go sound asleep. That's the picture of Jesus. It's a picture of Him back in the only place where there might have been a small seat or cushion. The rope was rolled up like you would roll up a garden hose. And Jesus, the Son of God, is on His knees, turned around with His face and His head down in His hands, and He's fast asleep. You know, I flown a lot, and sometimes you get into some really bad storms. Those kind that you hit that turbulence, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden the plane begins to drop and it'll rise back up and drop again. And, you know, the pilot will come on and say, um, I always think it's kind of funny, good evening, folks. This is your captain. We've experienced some turbulence. Well, that's, <laughs> you don't have to tell us that. Just tell us what we're going to do about it. And then he'll say, we're going to uh, climb another 5,000 feet or whatever, try to get above this storm but I, I don't think we can. We can't go around it. So we're going to have about 10 minutes of turbulence. We're going to ask the stewardess, if they would, the flight attendants, if they would, to stow away everything and to be seated. And we'll be through this in a few moments. But a lot of times as a passenger, you're afraid. And you're sitting back there in coach and you're being jostled around, turned side to side, up and down. And then you'll see something. You'll see a pilot with that airline who is flying coach because he's on his way to another airport to fly another plane. And so he's there. And I've been there. I've seen this. And you'll look and this guy's sitting there. He's got the paper. He's sitting there reading the newspaper. He's, he's sitting there. He looks oblivious. He looks as if he doesn't even recognize there's a problem. In fact, I, I often will begin to study him because if I see him being alarmed, then I get alarmed. But you don't. You're sitting there reading the newspaper. He may yawn. He may doze off. He may just sit there as if he is totally indifferent to the storm. Why? Because he knows the storm and he knows that aircraft far, far better than I do. I told you a moment ago that the world is looking at you as a believer, a follower of Christ, to see how to ride out this storm, to see what to do, to see what... If they see alarm in you as a believer, a follower of Christ, you can be rest assured they're going to be alarmed. That's why it's important. Well, they look at Jesus and Jesus is asleep. Now, I love that. Because here you have the creator of the universe. We say in the Shona language of Zimbabwe, Mwadi Akafeka Munyama. When I ask an old pastor, an African pastor, how to talk about the word becoming flesh, he asked for my jacket. And he took my jacket and he said, Nyama. And then he did his hand like this and he said, Mwadi. 
And then he said, Mwari Akatheka Munyama, which meant God dressed in the flesh of man. The word became flesh. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Our creator of the universe put flesh on and stepped into our creation. And in the middle of a storm that was about to sink a boat that had frightened his followers, he was asleep. I love it. And the Bible says that the disciples had to wake him up. You ever have people like that in your life? They can sleep through a storm. They can sleep through anything. The disciples have to wake him up. They have to rouse him. Get him to come too. And they said to him something. Listen to what they said. They said, teacher, don't you care that we're about to drown? Isn't that strange? The picture of love. The most loving figure to ever walk the earth. Not to care. You may feel like that today. You may say, you know, God, where are you? God, don't you see what's happening to my life? My business is about to go under. Or I'm in a difficult relationship. Or my finances. God, I'm, I'm worried. I'm afraid. God, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Well, none of us do. But let me tell you something. A sovereign God does. Don't worry about tomorrow. He's already there. You know what, when Moses asked him, what is your name? He said, I am. You know what he was saying? Everything's present tense to me. There's no past tense, no future tense. I'm in control. It's all present. Teacher, don't you care that we're about to die? That may be how you feel. And the Bible says in verse 39, Mark said that he got up and he rebuked the wind. And he said to the waves. Now think about that. He stands up. And he's standing up in the boat, and he speaks directly to the storm, and he tells the storm, and he speaks in the Greek the same way he speaks to a demonic force. He says, shut it up. Literally, muzzle it. And immediately, wind stops. Sea becomes like glass. Boat is perfectly still as if it's held in time. He then says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? What are you so afraid of? What do you fear? You've been with me long enough that you know better than this. And some of you followers of Christ are spending all your time anxious and worried and you're destroying your testimony when Jesus, if he were standing there, would look at you and say, why are you afraid? I, I knew this was coming a year ago. I knew it was coming a month ago. You don't have to be afraid. Why are you afraid? Why are you fearful? And then watch what he says to his disciples. Do you still have no faith? Because you see, as a follower of Christ, we, we don't walk by fear. We walk by faith. Faith. And then I love this last verse. <laughs> you would think these guys, you'd have thought Peter, James, and John, sons of Zebedee, sons of thunder. You would have thought Matthew and Thomas. Hey, I bet old Judas was scared. He would have thought literally they'd have jumped up, started hooting and hollering, and having the time of their life. No. <laughs> they are more, they are more afraid. They look at each other and they say, 
Who is this? That even the wind and the waves, well, we believe that it's something that is not filled with a soul that has a spirit that, that is inanimate in some ways that doesn't seem to be life. It seems to be an element of nature that you cannot control. Who is this that the forces of nature, a storm, obeys? Why do we go through storms? Why do we go through difficulties? Let me tell you why. You know, there's an old song that used to say, if I never had a problem, I'd never know that he could solve them. Right? If you and I never got sick, if we never had disease, if we never went through a financial problem, if we never had relationship problems, if we never had difficulty with our children, if we never had no problems, then we would never know the power of a sovereign God to solve those problems. We would never know what it is to be comforted by His Holy Spirit. We would never know what it is to have a testimony. Because see, most people, they don't want to hear, well, you know, I've just always had a good life. I got a lot of money in the bank. My kids are doctors, lawyers, and preachers. I've never been sick. I'm as healthy as a horse. They don't want to hear that. People want to hear about how you survived a storm. They want to hear about your faith and your walk with Christ. That's what they want to hear. Let me, let me leave you with something that you and I need to remember. If we never had a storm, if we never had a difficulty, we would never see the majesty and the glory of Jesus Christ. These disciples had an opportunity to experience Christ and to see His power in a way they had never seen it before. Let me say this, hear me. A storm is also an opportunity for God to reveal His character, His nature, and who He is, His power. And that's what God is doing right now. So let me take one moment. I'm going to pray for you. But before I pray for you, I want to say one thing. Let me ask you something. Is Jesus Christ living in your life? Is He a part of your home? Is your life a led us? Has Jesus, does He say that? Let us get up and go to work. Let us speak to the children. Let us cook lunch. Is your life so intertwined with Christ? that you realize that He's always with you. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. Is Jesus Christ living in your heart right now? Have you given your life to Him? Then let me encourage you to do this real quickly. Number one, you and I have to repent of our sin. It's a 180. Change of mind. That's what it means to repent. Metanoia, the idea of changing one's mind, changing one's heart. All of a sudden we repent. And the Bible says we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. We confess Jesus Christ as Lord, Master. Lord, you're in control of everything. I turn it all over to you. Lord, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin and be the Lord of my Savior for the rest of my life. Do you realize this? Years from now, when people ask you, are you a Christian? You can smile and say, yeah, I can still remember during the pandemic. And everybody will know what you're talking about. Oh, I can remember the pandemic. It was in March 2020. In that strange 2020 vision. God changed my heart and I became a follower of Christ. Would you do that today?
Let me pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, we just come to You and we love You and we pray to You, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl who may listen to this message, that God, You may speak to their heart, that right now, dear Lord, if they do not know You, they've never been saved. If they're living in fear, frightened, no faith, May they repent of their sin, change their mind, realize that their life is not where it needs to be. But right now your Holy Spirit is speaking to them and they'll turn in simple childlike faith and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Be my Lord, my Savior from this moment on. Lord, I pray right now that they can even in this moment feel a peace coming over them, a calmness to their spirit, to know that they're saved and they no longer have to fear. They don't have to live that way anymore. From now on, they can walk by faith. I pray for Christians that we would use this opportunity to share this, to go in our Facebook, to go to social media and share this message with others that we know may need it right now. May we be more vocal than we've ever been before. And Lord, we love you. We pray for churches and pastors everywhere. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.